Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Today I am joined by our Argyle experts Chris Errington, Jack Ball and Baron Cross to look back on a disappointing 2-1 defeat at Walsall. Hi guys. Hi Stu. Hi Stu. Chris. It's been a while since we were all together. It has, yeah I know. It's, yeah. Uh, we're in this tiny little room here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's very cosy. Um, the game on Saturday then. Chris, we'll start with you. What, mm-hmm. went, wrong for, what went wrong for Argyle? Um, they just weren't sharp enough in both boxes on Saturday, I didn't think. Um, defensively, they gave Walsall too much space. Uh, their two strikers, Bakayoko and Aggie, who uh, made his debut after signing on loan from Burnley, caused them quite a lot of problems, certainly until Derek Adams made the uh, tactical switch, which he did before the end of the first half, which showed you how things were going. Um, and up the other end of the pitch, they had plenty of the ball. They got into some decent positions. Um, you know, two shots on target, one comfortable save for the goalkeeper. You know, it wasn't it wasn't enough. And um, you know, Walsall were are a good solid League One team. They've been at that level for a, a long time, and they just seem to have a bit more know-how and a bit more, you know, cuteness around the pitch than Argyle. And um, you know, they were they were good value for their win. Jack, you were up at the Bescott Stadium on mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday. You were you were quite disappointed by the result, weren't you? Well, I think. The... <sighs> In the first four games, there was a lot to be optimistic about. I think, you know, it was a tough start on paper. I wasn't at Peterborough. I was led to believe I could have got a draw. I'm quite unlucky mm-hmm. to not get a point out of that game. Then, obviously, win at Charlton, South End, a draw. I don't think it was a bad result. Lose 4 0 to Scunthorpe, which again, I thought they played well up until the red card and even played well at the start of the second half. This, I sort of came to Walsall hoping that this could be where they get the first away victory. Nothing's ever guaranteed on paper, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, this was the first one that sort of hurt a little bit. I think Argos weren't really at the races, and there were quite a few players that underperformed. And on the whole, it was a very disappointing result. Yeah, Chris touched on the fact that Derek Adams made a tactical change early on with uh, Joel Grant going off. Never a nice thing for a player, is it, to go off that yeah, early? Yeah. How, how did he kind of respond to that? Who, Joel Grant? Yeah. I didn't really see much of him when he went off. He didn't look particularly happy, but I'm, I'm sure it was... It I don't was, think no, any player No player's ever going to be happy no. with that, but it was exactly the right decision. Yeah. And Argyle did improve after it, certainly in terms of the chances that Walsall had after the change and they put Jan Songo on and he went into the centre of defence and they played three at the back. And they were more secure after that. I think Derek Adams was exactly right to make the change when he did because it was only a matter of time before Walsall got a second goal, the way the game was going at that stage. What yeah. I would say as well is I, I like the fact that the manager will make a change if it's needed, mm. not wait till the 60th mm. minute when it's too late. I think if things aren't working, you need to be proactive, you need to try and change that. And that it was a 38th that, minute, wasn't it? Yeah. So it would have been very easy to say, look, we'll just try and get through to half-time and then we'll make the change. If you're 2 nil down by then. then and 2-0 down, yeah. it's, it's almost game over. So, you know, fair, I, I think, you know, fair play to him for making that change when he did. It was, it was needed and it did have an improvement. Did Joe Grant deserve to be the player that went off, or, or was it? Well, you know, like Jack said, probably none of them were particularly uh, firing on all cylinders. But to play the formation the way he wanted to do, he was probably the one that was going to get sacrificed. Mm. 
just looking at our goals so far this season, Baron, um, they, they do seem to be conceding a few too many goals. They don't look quite as defensively solid as perhaps they did last season. Yeah, I was picking through a lot of the, the reaction from the fans uh, yesterday in the office, and um, you, like like Jack alluded to there, there was the, the reaction seems to have sort of taken a nosedive, doesn't it, Jack? I mean, there seems to be a lot more sort of negativity out there, and was that a lot to, a lot to get very excited about on Saturday? But um, I mean, it's early days, isn't it? I mean, to say they're sort of not defensively sound, there's been a couple of own goals which are, you can't account for, can you? Um, this Gunthorpe game, obviously, they had the red card, which completely skews that result. So, so time will tell. But um, you know, I think Oscar Froko is a big miss at the moment. Yeah, it's a new partnership as well. You know, it's going to take some time in a higher level as well. It's just going to take that bit of time to. I mean, the two goals think... on Saturday were, were poor ones, weren't they? There's one that's got a free cross and a free header. You know, Sunday league football, you, mm. you're never going to get away with that. And the second one, you know, Jan Songo's been you know, nudged off the ball by somebody who's about five foot yes, three, yeah. which shouldn't have happened. And then he's gone on and run and had a, a shot at that stage. Argyle are pushing men forward to try and get the equaliser. And Derek Hans was very quick after the fall of Peter Scunthorpe to criticise the sloppiness of the goals conceded. So it's something he's obviously actively working they on. They definitely need to tighten up. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's early days. Um, but they're playing at a high level. And as you got work your way up, Football, you know, you talk to, you look at any club. The higher you go up, you know, if you make mistakes, you get punished more often, don't you? It's, it's mm. a simple fact of football. Mm. It's not just defensively. I mean, one of the most disappointing things was one of the worst performances I've seen from Graham Carey. I think in a few years. I mean, his set pieces, which has been a big strength of Argo over the last couple of years, were just not on point whatsoever. And I think that's, you know, you can always, it's always easy to blame the defenders, but mm-hmm. obviously if there's more pressure from the top end and you're getting, getting goals and getting good chances, and that, you know, it almost equals out. Do there. you reckon Adams has got the bottle to drop Graham Carey? I don't think we're at that stage yet. No, he's no. a key player. He's a key player. He, he had a poor game. But if he had a poor game. If, if it was two or three bad games in a row, I think it'd be more than two or three. But I, I, I think Carey, what he's done at Argyle over the last two years, has got himself a, a fairly yeah. long, long leash. Mm. So and when the mirrors was getting ready to come on, me and David Monday were talking about that, and I said yeah. the fact is, Graham Carey can have a bad game, but he's a game changer. Match he can have one yeah. good moment. He's a match match yeah. turn it around. You've got to be very brave to take him out. At any yeah. time, really. His yeah. set pieces were poor on Saturday, yeah. but all it needs is one, and he, he sticks yeah. it. You know, it sticks it exactly where you need it, and it gets the game going. He did get the penalty late on in the game. It was a really well taken penalty. Stuck it away very confidently. Yes, it was a penalty, but it's his first goal of the season. Mm. Yes, it came in a losing cause, but you know, putting the ball in the back of the net is never a bad thing. Get him up and running. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll we'll see if that has a. A positive effect on, on him going forward. It's interesting looking from the outside, you know, obviously Kerry and Sonny Bradley were two key players for Argyle last year and they, they don't seem to have quite got their season going yet this season. Kerry on the creative side and seeing the goals Argyle have conceded, yeah. Bradley's perhaps not been as dominant as, as he perhaps was last season. Uh, again, they're playing at a higher level, um, they're playing against better players, um, you know, the Walsall two strikers were, were pretty handy on Saturday. Mm. They, they, they caused Bradley and then Edwards a lot of problems. Um, you know, and it's, it's five games in. I, I, I'm always reluctant to draw too many conclusions. Five games in, um, yeah, Saturday was poor, um, but they've played some decent sides, and I think they've got a good idea now of what they've got to work on and improve on. And hopefully, over the period of, of time, Derek Adams and the players will be able to do that. Um, I can see why people were disappointed with Saturday's performance because it. It wasn't one that we've become used to seeing from Argyle in away games, but um, it was only September the second, and you know, I think you know people just need a little bit more patience with them. Also, I think I think Baron's quite right in saying that Oscar Fergus was a big miss. I think yeah. last season he went maybe a little bit under the radar because of the performances of Bradley and Carey. 
But I think now you're sort of seeing just how much of a mess he is in that in that team. Yeah, right back or centre midfield. No, I think I think both. a right back. I mean, I think Gary Miller's had a good few games, but he, he was out of position a lot. I think on on Saturday, but I just think as a as a player that can play all over the pitch, he's just a, a player that is missed. Yeah. Moving on then, uh, plenty of questions to get through. Thanks to all of you out there that sent questions in this week. Starting with Graham Reese, why don't Argyle play four four two and get rid of this four two three one? Another thing, why isn't Sokolik even in the matchday squads? Chris, perhaps you can explain why Sokolik isn't in the matchday squad. Um, well, because I think Derek Adam sees him as his fourth choice centre back at the moment, and um, you know you, you talk about Bradley, he was Player of the Year last year. Um, Edwards has started every game and looked pretty good. You know, out of the out of all the summer signings, he's been the, the best of them. Uh, Jan Songo. Um, you know, looks to be the third centre back. Hence, he was used on Saturday when they went to three at the back, and um, is a proven player um, to Derek Adams. He's known him for for a long time, hasn't he? Uh, Derek Adams has looked at the squad in pre-season at the start of the season, and um, Jakub Sokolik is is the fourth choice centre back. He played against Bristol City, didn't he, in the Carabao Cup? They conceded five goals that night. Now that wasn't all his fault, obviously. Um, but that's not the greatest game to make a case to be trying to get yeah. a, a first team place, is it? No. Why don't I go play four four two? You know, I'm not sure many teams play four four two these days. There's always variations of that anyway. Get rid of this four two three one. Well, that four two three one served them pretty well over the last two years. Um, you know, playoff final one year, promoted as runners up last year. Um, now it might need a bit of tinkering around. You know, Derek Adams might need to be a bit more flexible in his approach. Will he play three at the back more often in away games? Um, but you look at the South End away game, he changed the formation at half time. Um, you look at the Warsaw game, he changed the formation um, in the first half. Um, so, would he consider starting with three at the back in, a, in an away game, perhaps the next away game or something like that? That's a possibility. But, um, you know, that 4 2 3 1 served them pretty well, you know, yeah. over the last two years. Do I don't, you, I don't do think you, you throw it all out just after a, a couple of a couple of defeats. Do you think Chief Chi is going to suit that formation from what I, you've seen of him? I think he's got, he's that type of striker, like Ryan Taylor, mm. you know, that will, will um, he's got the, the physique yeah. to try and tie up the two centre backs. Yeah. That's what you're really looking for, that striker, aren't you? To back occupy to the two, the back in. to goal, yeah. bring the ball down, link up the play up. Try and tie up the two centre backs so that the other attacking players have, have got the space to get in and around. Mm. So it's early days, you know. He's not he's not match fit, um, and you know on Saturday he did too much of his work outside the penalty area. Jack, I thought. I mean, we didn't really see him on the ball in the in the he, box at he all. He was quite deep, in, especially in that first half before Dak had no. made the changes. And mm. I think all Chris, Derek, David, and myself all thought the Bliss it was a tough player. We need mm. to go alongside him. The thing that worries me a bit about Chifchi is from the quotes that you did with. Um, Jackie McNamara. Yeah. So he seems to be a striker that thrives off goals. Now, if he's not playing yes. that role where he's going to get a lot of goals, it's how you manage that mm. and how you manage his, his confidence and try and get. Because if he's not going to be in that position where he's going to be shooting and getting goals all the time, Derek Adams has to find a way to manage that and sort of keep him feeling feeling mm. loved. It's, it's yes, one of the absolutely. terms that Jackie McNamara and If he's not bringing goals to the team and that's what he's been going to do, then it's. Well, Derek Adams did admit that he's not going to be scoring 20 goals this season, not, but not, it's just no. managing how you keep someone's yeah. confidence up. Mm-hmm. If, they are a striker that thrives off getting goals. It's interesting because you always hear fans when a team's struggling to score goals saying, oh, why does he only play one up front? But as you rightly say, Chris, the 4-2-3-1 has served Derek Adams and Argyle very well. And the idea of the three is that those three in that 4-2-3-1 are all meant to be chipping in with goals. Now, if they're all chipping in with six, seven, eight goals a season, which they've done in the last couple of years, then, you know, that takes the onus on the central striker to to be a 15-goal-a-season man. Uh, 
the key though of course is if you're doing that 4-2-3-1 you do need that contribution from those three and and you know Sonny Bradley got seven goals last season you need the goals coming from around the team they've got to be shared around and uh, that's something that Argyle have got to work on I just yeah. want to point out as well whilst I said that this was the first one that we've sort of hurt it's far too early to panic I'm not suggesting for a minute that I'm panicking my point was it, that was the first game that I really felt a bit disappointed but there's a long way to go and people need to sort of realise that there's only five games into a very long season I just want to pick up on a quote Derek Adams gave to you he said he, he mm. was annoyed with himself as well yeah. like he went to go with a, a two up front because it mm. didn't work and it very rarely works for Argo when he goes with it, two up front he, he, it was interesting that he said that mm. um, and I think he's probably right there's not that many times that I can think of <laughs> Baron where we, we go two up front and it's, it's made a, a it has at times but um if, if the manager's not totally sold on playing two up front, then I'm not sure it's ever going to work. Mm. You know, if he's not in his heart of hearts and he's saying, I'm annoyed with myself for going with the two up front, that tells me that he's he's not convinced by that he's, approach. Yeah, it's, it's almost like he's sort of, he's sort of said to himself, this isn't working. Yeah. The fans keep going on about two up front. Let's mm. have a go at two up front. And he's mm. almost annoyed at himself for allowing himself to be swayed by the fans. By the fans yeah. and, you could and try you, and sort of tinker it into a 4-3-3 maybe or something like that and... Uh, you know, try and push people up a bit closer to shifting. Sounds maybe like playing, Grant and Gillis just weren't close enough. Yeah, maybe not have them playing quite as wide, you know, narrow the, the, the team down a little bit. Um, that's where possibly Oscar Farrell Cup would be handy at right back because he would give you that drive and energy down the right-hand side. Um, so there's, there's ways of sort of tinkering around with things. Mm. Um, I still think, generally speaking, Derek Adams will want a central striker to play down the middle and... Uh, Let's give Shift G, uh, you know, two or three weeks to bed himself in, get some match fitness, uh, get used to what their Adams wants, get to understand his new teammates, and, and then we can sort of assess, you know, how he's doing. Or, or I, I think doing. the other thing with a 4 4 2 is it's not so much having the two up front, it's the fact that the four behind have to change their position. And they're very strong where they play, like, you know, Jervis on the right, Carey in behind, and whoever it was on the left wing last season, you know, it, they were very strong in that position. And if you move them back a bit, and that's why Argyle sometimes struggles in that 4-4-2 formation. Yeah, you're probably not going to get the best out of Kerry as well, because exactly. he's a good player yeah. between the lines, mm. isn't he? Uh, well, certainly no panic from the guys in the office, but Matthew Penny, I think we can say that he's uh, slightly <laughs> concerned. How can the team turn this nightmare start to the season around? Will the club gain enough points to stay up this season? And where will the goals come from? As usually, goals mean wins. People have got to look at the fixtures, haven't they? We said from the start of the season, Argyle have not got an easy start to this season. And I think... Um, You've just got to look at the quality of the sides. I mean, I'd agree with Jack. I thought Walsall might have been one of those teams they could possibly get out of the of the teams they've played against. But um, yeah, it's far too early to be talking about will they gain enough points to stay up. It's just far too, far too early. What I would say is I think the next two fixtures are, are huge fixtures. I think the next two fixtures will be, will be fascinating. I think Adams will make three or four changes. And then Blackpool we'll the following Tuesday. Yeah. I think those are two... If after those two games, if they lose those two games, I think I can understand why people might get a little bit concerned. It will build quickly yeah. if, they, if they don't win one of those, I think. How can a team, Matthew? Thank you for the question. Um, how can the team turn this nightmare start to the season around? I, I don't accept it's a nightmare start. That's you know, um, if you, I was just looking at the teams that came up from League Two last season and just see how they're faring. Now Blackpool, fantastically, well done to them. Seventh in the table with ten points. That's that's a an impressive start. I think that's that would have surprised everyone. But then you look at Doncaster, Portsmouth, and Argyle. Doncaster. 13th with 6 points, Portsmouth 16th with 5 points, Argyle 18th with 4 points. So the, the, the three teams that were automatically promoted are all covered by 2 points after 5 games, 5 positions in the table. Yes, I'd rather Argyle were 13th and Doncaster 18th, but um, neither of those two teams have exactly got off to flying starts either. 
Um, so it's five games into a season. When we're 10, 15 games into a season, then. then you can you can judge things now. Um, I, 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 you know, we just know, on the we... subject of Portsmouth, Chris, I watched them yesterday. Actually, yeah. I don't know if you did as well. That they were awful in the first half, but then Matty Kennedy actually came mm. on and, and changed the game. Fantastic yesterday. Yeah, he was brilliant. Wasn't so, he? so you know, it's it's of course it's frustrating that you know I've only got four points from five games. I think if you, Baron's point, if you looked at the fixtures to the start of the season, looked at the teams they were playing against, you, certainly those first four games, yeah. um, I was quite happy with four points from the first four games because I, I thought they played reasonably well and they played against some good sides. You know, look where Peterborough and Charlton are in the yeah. table and things Peterborough. like that. You know, so um, the Walsall one was disappointing. The, the, the trap that Argyle fans mustn't fall into is when we're in League One, look at teams like Scunthorpe and Walsall and say, oh, we should be beating teams like that. Those teams have got far more experience in League One than Argyle have got, and Argyle need to get streetwise in League One if they're going to beat teams like that. Yeah, indeed. Moving on, James McFarlane, this is a very interesting question. When moving up a league, it's important to improve the first team. With 10 new signings, Derek Adams has got greater strength in depth than last season, but with many new signings currently finding themselves as substitutes and many of last year's players starting, has Derek Adams bolstered the bench instead of bringing players in uh, and other players that he's brought in stronger than last year's first team players. I think I think you've got to give it time, haven't you? I think Adams, he's a manager who goes with what's tried and tested. He likes to stick with what he knows. And the majority of the side played last year because that's the side that got him promoted. He knows that how he likes to play. They've had far longer to get used to his training regime, his tactics during a match day. He feels he can trust them. And we're now getting into the season where we will get into the nitty-gritty. And like Chris says, when we get towards 10 games, 15 games, he'll be able to see who is sinking and who is, and who is swimming and coping a League One. And it's, when, it's then when these new signs will come into play. He can look to his bench and he's got options now that he can bring in. It's all about competition for places. As we saw on Saturday, Chris and, and Jack have both said a number of players underperformed. If they underperform again, their, their, their places are going to be under threat and they know that. So... These ten new signings will come into play as time goes on. I mean, you look at people like Lemiras and Ainsworth; they're on the bench. You'd be quite happy seeing them start on Saturday, wouldn't you? Because you know they're an option. You know they've got quality. So I think, I think to answer James's his question, I think yes, he has bolstered the bench, but that doesn't then mean that the first team doesn't improve because you know it's putting pressure on those players mm. who know that they'll get dropped if they don't play well. Yeah, I think Barron's picked out the two players that most impressed me, apart from Ryan Edwards, was was Lemiras mm. and Ainsworth, but. Fair play to Derek Adams for giving the players that have got him into this yeah. position the chance to prove themselves at this level. Mm. You know, what does it say about you know the morale if a manager takes a team up and suddenly drops everyone that got them there into the first place? I think there's sometimes a bigger picture to look at, and playing the likes of Jervis, I think, who who's deserved his place in that team. And I'm Baron's quite right. As soon if if that continues and results keep not getting there, I think changes will quickly be made. Well, I, I, I've just sort of written a, written a column piece this morning. I've just finished it off uh, on on this subject. And um, again, I, I wouldn't rush into judgments about the new signings too much. But I, I did work out that in league games, that all the new signings have made a total of thirteen starts and nine substitute appearances between them. And I think Derek Adams would have perhaps hoped for a little bit more of a an impact than that. You know, Ryan Edwards has clearly been the pick of the players, and I, I like the look of Jamie Ness. I think you know. Now he's put his injury problems behind him. I think he'll be a be a, be a good addition. Um, but it does take time for for signings to fit in. I, I think it's only right that Derek Adams is giving last season's squad a chance to uh, to prove they can play at League One. How, how fair would it be to 
to have a squad of players that got you promoted and then just ditch them at the first opportunity. Um, now, I think Barron's right. I wouldn't be at all surprised if there'd be two or three changes on Saturday mm. because, you know, it was a, it was a below-par performance against Walsall and there were players champing at the bit to um, to get in the side. One other point that's worth making is look at Aaron Taylor Sinclair. He hasn't played at all yet, right? And you can turn around and say, well, you know, he's not contributed at all. I think Gary Sawyer's had a quite a, quite a, a quietly... A, good strong start to the season at left back now is part of the reason that because he knows he's got Aaron Taylor Sinclair you know snapping his heels waiting for a chance so there's always ways and, and means of looking at things um, but I do think it's a, you know, it's, it's a good point that James makes that it, uh, in time some of those new signings have really got to step into the team and, and prove that they can take the club further forward yeah Michael Wanderley should Argyle add a midfield enforcer like a Tumani Diagruga or a Stanley <laughs> Abora from the free agent market. Jack, I think you're going to look at the free agent market later on and do a piece, aren't you? Yeah, so. I mean, uh, well, I think Chris is quite right. Jamie Ness has come in and he's impressed me. I mean, you can see there's a little bit of rustiness there, which is expected after missing all the pre-season, but he's come in and impressed me. Uh, it's quite interesting. Some fans were wondering whether Ness and Fox were too similar to having the team together, but I, I think they might complement each other quite well. I think it was an under-par performance from a number of the attacking players. And again, some of the passes, they did, some of the midfielders did make some decent passes, but because they weren't acted upon, you can almost forget that they're making those passes in the first place. Um, should they look into bringing a midfielder? I'm sure Derek Adams will be keeping his eye on who's available in the free transfer market. But then if you bring someone in, someone else is going to lose their place from the bench. I do think it's a strong team. And um, with Ness coming to fitness, I think midfielder might be okay, especially with Sarsovic coming back from suspension. Yeah. Obviously, it was a disappointing transfer deadline day for our goal fans because every fan wants to see their team strengthen. And by the sounds of it, Derek was looking for a midfielder and a striker. So, um, can you see a couple of arrivals coming in Merrin before too uh, I think the free agent market is an interesting one, isn't it? There was, there was a few towards the end of the window that had their contracts terminated, which, which now makes them available. Um, how much money Derek Adams has got left in his budget is another matter. He's obviously got a little bit left because he was hoping to get that, that striker in, so it's whether he can find one for the right price. I think um, it may well be a blessing that he didn't get that striker because he's now got that space in his budget which he can work with over the coming weeks if there's another serious injury in a different position. He has got the money in the budget to go into the free agent market and pick somebody up if he does need to. Uh, I think Diago Arga, Diago Raga, I think he's, <laughs> Glad been, you had trouble with he's, that well. he's been in the championship for the past seven or eight years. So free agent or not, his wage demands will be too high. Stanley Abora was at Notts County and Portsmouth last season in League Two and didn't cut it. So... I don't know about those two examples, but um, no, I, I certainly think he'll, he'll, he's, he'll be keeping an eye on the free agent market, or Greg Strong will be at least. Yeah, yeah I mean, the free agents for a reason in some respects, yeah. um, mm. uh, but players do get released from contracts when it's clear that they're not going to feature in a squad, and yeah, there, there might be a one or two out there that are worth considering. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's definitely a watch his space one, you know, in terms of if, if Derek Adams could find the right player, I'm sure he'd try and bring one in. And also there'll be a few, I'm sure, free agents who were hoping for a move to a bigger club. That's not now gone through, so some of them will be willing Lower to drop down. Yeah. A bit like, yeah, you know, a bit like players have in the past. Yeah. Uh, Adam Lufnane, after stating Argyle had overachieved, do you think Derek Adams is getting fed up with the lack of funds for new players? And because of that, do you think he would be tempted to leave? Well, he wants to answer that one. <laughs> well, well I, I spoke to him after the game. Is he getting fed up with the lack of funds? No, I mean, he, he, he says that I've known about that. He, he knows it, it's been clear since day one what, what his budget is. And, um, you know, the quote was, you know, I, I, I know that, I've known that, and, you know, I'm, I'm working with that. Um, of course, he would like more funds, but, you know, I, I don't think that the lack of funds, as, uh, as Adam puts it, um, 
is an is an issue for him. Do you think? And because of that, do you think he'd be tempted to leave? You know, any manager, any football player, if he gets a, a much better club coming in for him, there's always a chance that they're going to go and move on. So you could never rule that out. Um, I think the the comment that Derek Adams made on Saturday was, you know, one of those where there's a feeling outside of the club among um, fans that the club aren't spending enough money and um, I think he's just wanting to point out that, that they're in League One with some big teams with, with big big money and uh, they aren't going to be able to compete with a lot of those teams and that's a fact of life. Um, we might not like it, the fans might not like it but the reality is is that you know there are bigger clubs with bigger pockets in Argyle and Derek Adams is trying to compete with those clubs for players and not surprisingly he's going to be losing out on some of them mm. because they can offer more money which sounds like exactly what happened last Thursday when he was hoping to get a loan signing in um, you know, the, the have Argyle overachieved the, the point he was making was that he felt they overachieved in his, in his first season when they got to the playoff final which I would agree with they did overachieve that season um, they were promoted as runners-up last season, uh, and he said that was overachievement, and I, I would agree with that as well. Um, certainly in terms of playing budget, he overachieved. And he said that, I've gone to try and continue to overachieve this season. Mm. Now, he's not saying we're overachieving now, at this precise moment, but at the end of the season, he'll want to turn around and say to us, look, we finished in such and such a place, mm based on our budget, based on the strength and size of other clubs in this division, I feel that's an overachievement. And if he can do that, then he will see that as a, as a successful season. Indeed. I'm, I'm pleased that you said what he did, because I think it's important that fans hear it from him, that he actually comes out and recalibrates their expectations and makes it clear, this is what I've got to deal with, because we can say it in our opinion pieces or whatnot and talk about our guys playing budget and how much they've got to play with and the difficulties of, uh, they face in the transfer market. But if Derek Adams comes out and says, you know, this is the situation, this is the stark reality. You know, some fans out there need to understand I've not got five grand a week to go and spend yeah. on a play. You know, the, the budget is very, very constrained. And I, I think it's important that he sort of keeps touching base with the fans on that. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know whether it was going to be a message for James Brent or the fans, but based on your interpretation, Chris, it was very. He and I, Brent I, are on the same hymn sheet, and that was very much for the fans I, to. I, I, th I think he's known all along, and look at what he did at Ross County as well. He is well used to working with what some people would perceive as a lack of funds, mm. you know, and he, he achieved a lot of success at Ross County on a small budget compared to a lot of teams. I mean, Ross County finished fifth in the Scottish Premiership one season. Well, they kind of had the fifth biggest budget in the Scottish Premiership that season. Mm -hmm. No way. Well, and you know, he, I think that you know the, the fans, fans always want to see their clubs spend yeah, more money, and that's perfectly understandable. They want their clubs to be ambitious, and we all want our goal to be ambitious and succeed and achieve things and and what have you and yes it would be nice if more funds were made available but you know you can't just use a board of directors as a as a cash point all the time no. just to bow you out of problems and look at what happened you know you can't always go back over history but i got ended up almost going out of business not that yeah. long ago by spending money that they couldn't afford mm. so i'm not sure that's an approach that i would be particularly happy no. if i saw i trying to repeat again mm. I, was, I was looking at a comment that we you interviewed James mm. Brent back in May, Chris, and yeah. I was looking at a, a quote that he came out with back in May after our goal of one promotion. He said, Derek will have a competitive budget, but it won't be a budget that buys soft promotion. To get promoted, he will have, have he will have to outperform his budget. 
It's increasing quite a bit and it's increasing more than the additional revenues that we will receive in League One. Mm-hmm. So you certainly got more money. Yes. But no one was really saying to us how, you know, in, in terms of the, the league itself, whether it be a, a top promotion type budget or, or well, what, were they? Well, they'll, they'll find that out during the course of time because it, uh, over a period of time, the clubs do sort of find out which each other, you know, the budgets of each of their rivals and then they can work out towards the end of the season what where they stand. Um, I think James Brent had looked at the budgets for the League One last season and where and when he was referring to that he will have a competitive budget that was based on the budgets in League One last season and, and that may, may well be uh, entirely right that they have got a competitive budget but when you look at the likes of Blackburn and Wigan that have been added to League One this season when you look at maybe Portsmouth will presumably have a, a, a reasonable size mm. budget Doncaster won't be on a small budget when they've got John Marquardt and thing, people like that playing for them um, yeah, I, I don't doubt they've got a competitive budget but have they got a top 10 League 1 budget I'd be very surprised also, if they have there's been a lot more money spent this year than ever before and that will filter down you know that filters down through the league system so hmm. you, you gave J- James Brent compare it to the last season's budget but all changes doesn't it over the summer yeah. Uh, fans forum over the summer Martin Starnes and Simon Hallett addressed this issue with a lot of fans and, and Martin Starnes made the point that, that um, it was either Wigan or Blackburn have come down from the championship and they're spending more in League One than they were in the championship you know, there's, there's a lot of very very large budgets as Chris has said you know Martin at that stage you know it's too early to say exactly where Argyle are in the, in the, in the, the rankings for budgets but um, there's some very 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 big spenders in League One and I think um, you're quite right that Derek Adams made that point on Saturday yeah uh, moving on then, as you say, MK Dons on Saturday. Barry, you, you, you sort of highlighted first that you fancy there'll be quite a few changes yeah, I mean, this weekend. Where, where do you see the changes two, Derek, I think Derek has sensed when there's been a bad performance, a bad couple of performances, and hasn't been afraid to ring the changes. So um, I think whilst that there's some fit options on the bench, I think he'll use them. I think we all know that Lemire is impressed in pre-season. I think he'll be he'll be due a start. Um, Lionel Ainsworth with impressed me over the, over the summer as well. So it's where he sees them fitting into the system and which system he decides to play because, of course, Lemire's is a very similar player to Carey. I think we'd agree that Carey's possibly less effective out on the flank, but maybe that's that's a manoeuvre he could make, pushing Carey out to the left and bringing Lemire's into the middle. Uh, I wasn't there on Saturday. I don't know how, how Jake Jervis played, but you know, perhaps Jervis' position is now under threat to Ainsworth. Um, I think Sawyer will remain, won't we, Chris? Sawyer's played mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. Miller's the only real right back, isn't he? And I'll be shocked if any defensive though. I think Fox and Ness will remain, so I think you're looking at that front four, aren't you? You've got Sarsovich obviously coming back, though, from suspension. Very, very so good point, yeah. No, he's got three games. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, I thought it was one. Yeah. So I, I, I'd be surprised it's if Stuchy gets, gets yeah. dropped. I think that would, that would knock his confidence too the much. So, and we were talking about Carey, so I think, like you say, it's. it's Jervis and or Grant, I think maybe the ones under threat. Sticking with a four-two-three-one, or do you think he'll go three at the back, or even a four-three-three? At Scunthorpe, we thought they played well, didn't they? They, they did play with well. a four-two-three-one. So perhaps well. he'll revert to how they played last time at home. Yeah, I just wonder the four-three-three. If you if you thinking of playing the Lemires, who isn't a natural wide wide player, it's got to be the middle, maybe you it? could do that four-three-three and have Chifchi with Lemires and Carey either side, or have Carey playing in the three, you know, central midfield players. Um, yeah, it, you know, sometimes you can you can pretty much guess team selections before they come out, and when you see the team sheet at two o'clock on a Saturday, you're not surprised. I'll be interested to see the team yeah. sheet at two o'clock on Saturday because mm-hmm. there's the potential for a couple, certainly a couple of new faces in the team, but also how are they going to line up? Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I go back to the point: four two three one served Argyle very well, but 
Derek Adams has shown in the last couple of games that he, he is open to the idea of trying different formations mm. and would he consider this as a game where maybe just a 4-3-3 or something like that just to try and uh, shake things up and work new faces into the team it's interesting as well because if people start associating Derek Adams and Argyle with that 4-2-3-1 they obviously become quite predictable and easy for teams to press uh, yeah but I mean they were predictable in that sense over the last two seasons I mean they, they played 4-2-3-1 for each of the last two seasons in League 2 and they, they finished second in the second season teams knew what they were going to do but if you're good at it um, you know, it, it, I mean, in, in football, isn't it? If, if you're good, I mean, everyone knows how Real Madrid are going to play. You know, they're going to get forward to Ronaldo as much as possible, aren't they? But it's one thing knowing it, and another thing stopping it, isn't it? Um, but there is the argument. Well, you know, maybe try a different formation, Stu, and and maybe Milton Keynes will turn up and expect Argyle to play four-two-three-one, and Argyle spring a surprise in them, and then they go, you know. Yeah, Jack, what would you do? I think he'll stick with the same formation. I don't. I don't see him, especially if he was annoyed at himself for changing it. You know, the last game. Right. I think Argyle yeah. played all right at home. They beat Charlton two 0 they, they had some very good chances against Scunthorpe. Right. Um, I think if he was change it, he's going to have a on your face possibly if things don't go 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 wrong. So I wouldn't. I would be shocked if he didn't stick with the same formation. What about players coming in? Players. I might agree with Ben. The only ones that I can really see changes is possibly Joel Grant and maybe Jake Jervis. But I'd be shocked if Jervis was dropped. Maybe maybe Grant and carry out on the left and Ramirez in behind. Mm-hmm. That would be the. Only, I can't see that any defenders changing. To be honest, I can't see Ness or the Ness or Fox there, changing. No. I mean, the strength and depth isn't quite there in defence yet. Yeah, I mean. Jarvis, I mean, he scored twice against Charlton. I, I wouldn't see him being dropped. So yeah, maybe carry on the left and Ramirez in. This is the only one I can really foresee. Mm. So unlikely there'll be two up front on Saturday then. I'll be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks to Chris, Barron and Jack for joining me. We'll be back again next week with more of the same. But don't forget, we will have our Argyle web chat on Friday ahead of the match with the MK Dons. Thanks for listening. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.